There is a lot of research that shows that teachers are collecting data and they're gaining access to increasing amounts of data. But at the same time, there have also been many studies that have asked teachers about their abilities to use data in the classroom. And teachers overwhelmingly say that they do not have the training or knowledge needed to support their decision making. Hi, and welcome to Glean Education's Research to Practice podcast, where we talk to education experts from around the world about their latest work and bring their fascinating findings out from the journal pages and into your classroom. I'm Jessica Hammond, founder of Glean Education, and today we're talking with Marissa Filderman, doctoral candidate, and Jessica Tost, assistant professor in the Department of Special Education at the University of Texas at Austin. We'll be talking about their article, Database Decision-Making in Reading Interventions, a Synthesis and Meta-Analysis of the Effects for Struggling Readers, published in 2018 in the Journal of Special Education. Marissa and Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love to get started by hearing more about you guys and what drew you into this field. Sure. So thanks so much for having us. I'm Jessica Tost. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Special Education at the University of Texas at Austin, and also a fellow in the Meadows Center for Preventing Educational Risk. I'm a Fulbright Scholar, and I received my PhD in educational psychology. And my research is focused on methods for improving and intensifying reading interventions for struggling learners. And I had the privilege of being trained in reading intervention research at the Florida Center for Reading Research and Vanderbilt University. And for many years before and during that time, um, I was a public school teacher, and then I worked in a private clinic where we provided intensive services to kids with reading disabilities. And so I really was drawn to this work and this field because I worked with kids who struggled over many, many years to become proficient in reading. And I really wanted to figure out how we could improve practices for them, how I could work with teachers so they had the information they needed to, to better teach them and better support them in schools. Great. Marissa? So I'd also like to thank you for having us. Um, As you mentioned, I'm a doctoral candidate at the University of Texas at Austin, and I am just beginning work on my dissertation. I was drawn to this field because as a special education teacher in Washington, D.C., I worked with students with dyslexia, um, and I had fourth grade students who were reading on a first grade level, and the evidence-based interventions that I was providing them with didn't seem to be working. You know, I didn't know at the time how to help them more than what I was already doing. And so I decided to pursue a doctorate to learn ways to support students like them and to help teachers like me to provide the best possible supports. Excellent. It's so interesting that both of you started off as classroom teachers and then launched into research to kind of improve your understanding and um, teachers' understanding of best practices. So it makes sense that a lot of your research focuses on the classroom and implications that may support better intervention in the classroom. One thing that I found that was fascinating about this journal article that we're discussing it is that it's it's basically a synthesis and meta-analysis article, which means that you take a look at all the journal articles that mention database decision-making and intervention from 1975, was it, to 
2018, and you review and synthesize and analyze the findings therein. Before we launch into the study itself, can you tell us just quickly about what data-based decision-making is and the background behind why you felt this was a necessary area to conduct this type of study in? Sure. Well, data-based decision-making, or it's also called data-based individualization, DBI, is a systematic process where we use student data to figure out when and how to intensify interventions for a student who's struggling. And so we know based on national data that only 37% of fourth graders and 36% of eighth graders are reading at what we deem to be a proficient level of reading. Many of these students who struggle are supported efficiently through standard evidence-based reading interventions, but these reading interventions do not work for some students. Those students really have persistent, severe reading difficulties, and they require much more intensive intervention in order to make gains. And in order to provide this intensive and individualized intervention, we need to use student data to drive the decisions we're making. So we wanted to conduct this study to really better understand first the evidence that was related to the efficacy of this practice of database decision-making or database individualization in the area of reading, and then also to look at whether there are specific characteristics of those interventions that seem more or less important for student outcomes. Can you tell us a little bit about your methods for selecting these research articles that were included in the study? Yeah, so the first thing that we did was explicitly define database decision-making, which we defined as collecting student data on an ongoing basis and explicitly using the data to adjust instruction. Um, In order for a study to meet this definition, it had to describe the data source as well as a process for how these data were used. Then we decided on additional inclusion criteria, um, and this included that the article focused on kindergarten through 12th grade struggling readers, um, was published in a peer-reviewed journal between 1975 and present, included a reading outcome, and incorporated database decision-making. So after that, we put together search terms that might capture reading interventions that included database decision-making, and at this point, we consulted with the librarian and other researchers to make sure that we captured all possible articles. Then we read the abstracts of the articles to determine if the studies met those criteria. And if it wasn't clear in the abstract, we pulled the article and read the article in full to determine whether it met our criteria. Um, After we had our final set of articles, we coded them for key features of the study, such as participant characteristics, findings, and methodology, as well as key features of database decision-making, such as the decision rules that were used and the data sources. And then that allowed us to identify themes in our findings. So I found it fascinating that in in the article it mentions that you called initially over 12,000 articles that mentioned database decision-making, but found only 15 that strictly met your requirements. And we've heard the list of requirements is, is large, so maybe that's why. But were you surprised that only that you were only able to find 15 that strictly met your requirements? Yeah, we were surprised, um, but the main reason why many of these studies did not end up getting included was our definition of data use. So a lot of studies mentioned the use of data, but they didn't describe the process of using data to actually inform instruction. So they might say something like progress monitoring was collected weekly, but not what they did with that progress monitoring data. 
Ah, so interesting. Do you think that that in any way reflects the way database decision making is used in classrooms? Like they may they may check the box and say that they're using progress monitoring, but maybe don't use it to inform instruction specifically? I would absolutely say that. There is a lot of research that shows that teachers are collecting data and they're gaining access to increasing amounts of data. But at the same time, there have also been many studies that have asked teachers about their abilities to use data in the classroom. And teachers overwhelmingly say that they do not have the training or knowledge needed to support their decision making. So there does seem to be a disconnect between collecting data and then actually using the data to support instructional decisions. So what were your findings from this study? Um, We found a significant weighted average effect of 0.24 across all studies and 0.27 in studies that compared similar interventions with and without database decision making. So when you think about students um, like those who I described earlier, it is a challenge to see any growth. So the fact that we did see small positive effects for this population of struggling readers is quite important. Um, We also found that studies used ongoing assessment of student mastery more frequently than systematic decisions of student progress based on their overall rate of improvement, that most studies were of word reading instruction, and that instructional changes included both structural changes, such as group size or time and intervention, as well as content-based changes, such as aligning instruction to individual student needs. And maybe most importantly, we found a need for further research in order to determine which features of database decision-making are most effective to improve outcomes for struggling readers. So it seems like a very complex field because you get the information on the progress from the progress monitors, but then there's so many areas to potentially intensify. So it's really hard to tease apart maybe what is contributing to the progress. Absolutely. I mean, on one level, it seems fairly simple. You collect data, you examine that data, and you help it guide your decisions. But it is pretty complex to think of, you know, teachers having to decide what forms of data they're going to collect, um, how they're going to graph or analyze that, da- that those data, when they're going to make a decision. So, you know, how do I decide whether or not a student is being responsive to my intervention or whether I need to make a change? So all of those processes that go into the decision making there, but then also what do I do after? So if my data is showing me the student isn't growing or the the intervention is not working as well as I want it to, now what do I do next? There's so many different options for how I could intensify an intervention or change it for a student. And I'm glad you mentioned graphing data, because this was something that that was mentioned in your study as well, that there's three different ways to graph the data and look at the data in order to then change your instruction. And the more you kind of dig into what database decision making is, the more the need seems to be for training for teachers for this type of thing. Because uh, like you said, at the surface, it seems fairly simple, but actually there's quite a bit of complexity. Um, so is there is there currently a place for teachers to get training on this or any resources that you can point to for teachers to get training and implement it in their classroom and make sense of that data they're collecting? If a teacher's looking for a place to start to get more information, we often recommend the National Center for Intensive Intervention, which is intensiveintervention.org. 
And on that website, teachers can download information and resources that help them understand how to engage in database individualization or database decision making. There are also tool charts on that website that help them select measures to use. So figuring out what forms of data should I collect for my students. Um, So that's a place to get started. Um, And it has a lot of different options depending on the questions folks have. Great. Great. And what are the classroom implications of this study? What information does this study provide on database decision-making and how it can be used in the classroom to support struggling learners? Mm-hmm. I think the most, the most critical implication from this work is that database decision-making shows promise for improving student outcomes. And there was another meta-analysis published in 2018 by Young, McMaster, and colleagues Um, in the journal Learning Disabilities Research and Practice. And they showed similar moderate effects across reading, math, and writing, so different subject areas. And so if looking at these these two articles together, the effects seem modest, Um, But they're very, as Marissa mentioned, they're critically important because we're looking at a population of students who have the most intense academic needs. So these are students who it's very difficult um, to move the dial for them on these outcomes. So thinking about this population of students and the persistent difficulties they've shown, the inadequate response they often show to other evidence-based practices, it's really important for us to think about ways to intensify intervention for them. And the most important finding here is that the process of using student data is what allows us to make those important decisions. Where is your research taking you both next? Yeah, so building on the findings from this study and other work we've been doing and work that our colleagues have been doing, um, our team's really excited about thinking about data decision making and the different ways we need to understand this and the research we're doing and the work we're doing with teachers. So we're trying to better understand the processes that teachers use to make data decisions um, and how these practices can be leveraged to improve student outcomes um, and looking at different forms of working with teachers and providing training and support so that they can use database decision making in their practice. And how are you how are you going about providing the training and support? Is it by further research or other applications of it? So in my own work, I do professional development trainings with teachers around the country. And so a lot of times it is, it's reaching out to schools or districts who are looking for additional training for their staff. Um, a lot of the work I do is with pre-service teachers. So my goal is really that when they graduate and they become a special education teacher, database decision-making will be a part of their regular practice. It will be something that they know how to do and that they know how important it is for their students and the success of their students. Um, And then from a research perspective, we're conducting a series of studies looking at different kinds of decision-making processes. So it isn't just about teachers knowing how to collect data, but what are all of the things that go into making decisions as human beings and how we look at data and how we figure out what those data are telling us. So looking at that and also doing larger scale research, developing training and coaching models to work with teachers doing this type of intensive intervention for students. It's so important increasingly in schools because teachers are exposed to data more and more with all of the tech tools that classrooms have access to now. And I think we can be kind of overwhelmed with all the data and not knowing what to do with it. So putting 
more and more emphasis on how to use these data to support instruction is so important for our pre-service and our in-service teachers right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Marissa add a little bit of what another project she's looking at. So as I mentioned, I am just starting to work on my dissertation. And for this, I'm planning to conduct an intervention study that uses database decision-making within small groups um, in a multisyllabic word-reading intervention for later elementary struggling readers. Um, and you know, we are hoping that this will provide more information on how teachers can individualize support in small group settings. Mm. So you're not only working on the, the training aspect for helping teachers utilize database decision-making, but also kind of thinking about the types of intervention that would be most effective to use to intensify instruction. Is that right? Yes. And then not only effective, but feasible for special ah. education who usually don't have the capacity um, to work with students one-on-one. That's so important because I think a lot of times, even with best intentions, when we remove ourselves from the classroom, we very quickly kind of think about what would be ideal, but stop thinking about what is applicable in the classroom. So I think your emphasis on what's realistic and what's feasible in the classroom is so important. And I thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jessica and Marissa. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. And thank you for your interest in our article and on this topic. To learn more about upcoming research from Marissa Filderman, visit her at researchgate.net backslash profile backslash Marissa underscore Filderman or on Twitter at MJ Filderman. To find more about Dr. Jessica Tost's work, visit her faculty website at education.utexas.edu backslash faculty backslash Jessica underscore Tost, or on Twitter at Dr. Tost. To find links to the articles and resources mentioned in this podcast, go to gleaneducation.com backslash podcast and access them in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Glean's Research to Practice podcast. If you're interested in learning more, head over to gleaneducation.com to listen to more episodes, access teacher resources, and join the movement to make in-service teacher education more dynamic and accessible. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.